Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You're listening to Bay Curious. I'm Jessica Placzek in for Olivia Allen Price. We're starting this episode at the edge of Lake Merritt. We're in a bar for Taco Tuesday, and about a dozen people are sitting around a long table. At first glance, everyone has very little in common, different ages, jobs, backgrounds, and zip codes. But they're all here looking for the same thing. And it's not tacos. Hi, I'm Archie. My name's Darcy. So my sister is the person that I'm the closest with, and she moved out of state to the opposite side of the country. So I don't go out as much as I used to. So I graduated from school in 2017, and um, when I came back, most of my friends moved on with their lives. They got married, and they're busy most of the time. And so I haven't reached that point in my life and have to find people who are at the same level as me. Darcy and Archie are here for a meetup group to make friends. People here are trying to make new friends, which is a little bit nicer because you know what they want. It's not like a bar where you're trying to find random strangers to talk to and they're like busy or don't want to talk to you. It's a vulnerable thing to say you're looking for a friend. And over a year ago, Bay Curious got this question. How do I make friends? I tried reaching out to the question asker, but they never responded. I also checked back in with Archie a few months later. He and Darcy never saw each other again, and he hasn't been back to the meetup group. How do I make friends? It's a question I also need the answer to. It seemed easier when I was younger. Not so much now. Something has changed. So over the past few months, I've gone deep into how we form friendships. It might be a little, duh, yeah, I knew that. But it's helpful to name what goes into making a friend so that if you want, you can repeat it again and again and again until you die. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. To show you what goes into making a friend, I want to introduce you to someone in my life. Are you naked? Well, yeah, I had to do laundry because of 
This is Anne-Marie Lytak. She's one of my best friends. And we're going to talk a lot about our friendship in this episode. This is so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a waking okay, funeral. Okay, okay, okay. I love this so okay, much. Okay. This is what people okay, dream cool. of before they die. Jessica's not looking at me while I tell her about herself. Anne and I met when we were around 23. We were in New Orleans, and we ended up living in the same house. And it was definitely haunted for other people. Not for me. Not for me either. Well, no, it was haunted for me, yeah. but my ghost was really friendly. The pillow talk one. Yeah. We lived together, cooked together, confided in each other. And then five years ago, we moved to San Francisco, her several months before me. And while we're no longer housemates, we still hang out a lot. Surfing, obviously. You've also invited me to a ton of weird, immersive theater parties. <laughs> Forgot about that. And we go and meet up at the neighborhood grocery store and just people watch while eating some breakfast foods. At times, it's felt like there was no world in which we wouldn't be friends. But after talking to experts, it seems that a lot of outside factors has made us more likely to be friends. For starters, statistically speaking, we were ripe for friendship. Studies have found we have the most friends in life between 15 and 25 goes down after 25, levels out in the 40s, and then goes down again as people age. This is Jeffrey Hall, a professor at the University of Kansas who studies friendship formation. I talked to him on Zoom, and he says there's a number of reasons people make the most friends in their late teens and early 20s. One is by that time in life, we've learned the basics of becoming a friend. By the time we get to 15 to 25, we've already passed the earliest developmental stages, which require us to be able to share our secrets, to treat people with fairness, and to understand that they need to have our back when we're gone. And at that time, we're often going through big life changes. Our friends help us become the people we want to be, the people we are becoming, to challenge ourselves to become new and different people. And so at times when we find ourselves surrounded by friends, we change in part because of their influence and partly because that we're trying to figure out who we are vis-a-vis them. Anne and I were figuring out how to not be in school anymore, how to start careers, and how to be single. I was like so sad to have broken up with Willie. And you cooked food for me and made plans for me. When you're going through big changes, you're growing and often meeting new people and open to befriending new people. And yes, change is not limited to any particular age. It's in every stage of life. You go through a painful divorce. Your kids are out of the house. you got to figure out, again, kind of refashion your identity. Another reason Anne and I were likely to become friends... We've had time for it. In the beginning, I was working a bartending job three or four nights a week. And other than that, my schedule was wide open for socializing. And socialize I did. Did you have free time? Yeah, plenty of it. Yeah. It was really characterized by being around other people and kind of making group decisions and floating through the day. People in their late teens and early 20s spend the most time per day socializing, according to the American Time Use Survey. So the people who spend time together eating and drinking and doing things that are more leisurely and fun tend to have friendships that move more quickly into closeness. The other is, is if you have meaningful conversation, are able to you know, joke around and catch up with a friend, this also speeds up friendship development. 
This one's hard for me to hear because in order to afford living in San Francisco, I sometimes work three jobs. And working so much means I'm not using my time to catch up with friends or meet new people. And I may have to lose a friend to gain a friend at this point. Do you have free time now? Hmm, I have to fight for it. Me too. I hate it. Okay, let's move on and look at other ways to find potential friends. Propinquity. Propinquity is essentially proximity, or routine opportunities to get to know people. Like for Anne and I, Propinquity was living together in New Orleans and then in San Francisco. Propinquity here for us has been living really close by, like four blocks. I, I always said four. You said it was like eight, but I don't know how to count blocks. You also worked on my block. Yes. That was like, yeah, five doors away from your home. It felt like I could always run into you. For about a third of Americans, a place where they find tons of propinquity is college. And Hall sees this all the time at his university. At the University of Kansas, there's 27,000 people who are around all of the time. Many of them are similar ages of life. They're going to be there for four years. We're in a town where there's lots of fun things to do, and so they're just right next to places to go and things to do, as well as where people live. The argument for propinquity is supported by a lot of studies. For example, one looked at bonds that formed in apartment buildings. It found that people on the same floor were more likely to be friends than people on different floors. But if you lived next to the stairs or mailboxes, you had more friends on different floors. Which, funnily enough, is also the premise of a lot of city-centric sitcoms, like Living Single. I was down at your apartment the other day, and it occurred to me something was missing. You. Friends. You thirsty? Oh, you bet I am. And The Big Bang Theory. I'm Leonard Hofstetter. I called you about the apartment. You said it could I know what I said. I know what you said. I know what my mother said on March 5th, 1992. <laughs> While change, time, and propinquity are huge factors in making friends, it doesn't guarantee friendship because not just anyone is going to become a great friend. Luckily, you'll probably know a potential friend when you see one. When you first meet people, you're often making decisions on whether or not that person will be a lover, a friend, or a close friend pretty quickly. Researchers show people often know by week two. Others find people recognize a potential friend immediately. So similar to love at first sight, there can be friendship at first sight. I remember talking with you and, and seeing the way your face moved as you listened. That was like pure curiosity, the eagerness to laugh. You were just very alive. Very, very, very alive. And very colorful at the time, too. You wore lots of colors, tons of patterns, all the clothes. We tend to hold on to these initial impressions for a long time. And who we're going to have a good impression of? It's very predictable. Here's evolutionary psychologist Robin Dunbar speaking at a TEDx conference. It turns out that the quality of friendship you have is determined by how much you share in common with that person already. You're more likely to be friends with people who are similar to you. It's like that old saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. And the term for this is homophily. And you can see it in our brains. At Dartmouth, researchers took brain scans of people while they watched a series of short clips. For example, a lovey-dovey video. You will be 
just as amazing to him as I know he is to you. Some people might have very positive responses, while others have brains that will be far more cynical. The scientists looked at who had similar neural responses to the films, and from that, they could predict who would be friends. And Dunbar has found one kind of similarity especially important. One of the most important of these is sharing the same sense of humor. He says good friends are essentially prepackaged with similar cultural tastes. We don't choose our friends. Our friends are made for us. Which makes me think of Anne. When we met, we both could sing the same songs from a dark, absurdist British comedy. Soup, super tasty soup. Super spicy carrot and coriander. Chili chowder, crouton, crouton. Crunchy friends in a liquid broth. I am gazpacho. Oh, I am a summer soup. Mm, miso, miso. If people make you laugh, it makes you feel good because it literally produces endorphins in your body, which can help you withstand pain better, can smooth out social interactions, and makes you like spending time with that person. One thing a number of experts encouraged people looking for friends to do is to follow their joy. Yeah, this one's one of the ones you're probably like, yeah, duh, but it bears repeating. Do stuff that makes you happy and try to do it in a social setting. I'd like to be around people that are doing improv or acting or miming or doing some kind of performance. That's not how I would meet people, (laughs) but um, I appreciate that that's how you would meet people. It's also been shown that if you're working towards a shared mission larger than yourself, it's both fulfilling and effective in forming meaningful connections. But in the meantime, for me, I like using my hands and joined a ceramics class where I picked up a few casual friends, but I also made a lumpy planter for Anne. Don't you want to plant that now? Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be (laughs) gone. Whatever. Next time, how to make these potential friends closer and what your government could do to help you make friends. And if you stay till the end of the credits, we have a shortcut to finding a potential friend. To read tips about finding friends and see past stories, head to baycurious.org. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Jessica Plotchek. Okay, here's a way to cheat finding a new potential friend. Reconnect with an old friend. Studies show it builds on old trust while still providing the novelty of what you each have been up to lately. All right, see you next week. Hi, Big Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.